Okay, so let's introduce um, our wonderful next speaker. He's, he's amazing. I just met him a few minutes ago, and I already love him, so I think you're going to love him as well. Father Michael Denk, and let me just, he's the, he, he is uh, the founder of the Prodigal Father, but we're going to show a video that's going to explain much more, and then I'll properly introduce him after that. So please turn your attention to this wonderful video for our next speaker, Father Michael Denk. Hello, my name is Peter Range, and I am the new CEO of Ohio Rights Life. I've come to share an important announcement with you about building the culture of life here in the state of Ohio. But first, I'd like to tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a husband and a father to five children, four li- Okay, another false alarm, wrong video. We just wanted to see if you were up and awake. Okay, so do we have Father's video queued up? Yes? Do we have Father's video? Okay. People that know me well know that I love being a priest. But when I was in the seminary, I often went through difficult times, sometimes questioning or discerning my vocation, you know, with the reality of, could I do this? Am I called to this? Would I like being a priest? I had a good friend in the seminary who was like a father figure to me, and he could see in my face that I was struggling. And so one day he pulled me into his office and he said, I have something I want to give to you. And he pulled out a a prayer medal and he gave me the medal to hold on to and he told me, Whenever I was struggling, whenever I was going through a difficult time or felt lonely or afraid, he invited me just to hold on to this prayer medal. He told me that anytime I would hold this prayer medal, that I could be reminded by the love of the Father, by His love and by the love of so many people. And so each time I held that prayer medal, I remembered that I was loved and that I was held. I had this moment of inspiration to create my own prayer medal. And I was blessed to have a parishioner at my parish who was a jeweler. And he taught me how to carve in wax and actually begin to shape this out of wax, this image of the Holy Family. And then that wax would be placed into a mold. The silver would be poured in. It would replace the wax. And when you cracked open the mold, there was the image of the Holy Family in the prayer medal. Sometime after the medal was completed, there was a young boy, Michael, who came to see me in my office. And I first thought he was coming to see me to talk about the priesthood, but by the look on his face, I could tell it was something very different. As Michael began to talk, the tears welled up in his eyes. And when he finally got it out, he said to me, my poppy's dying, and he broke down crying. It was one of those times in the priesthood where I didn't even know what to say to comfort him. And so I prayed with him for a little while, and then I remembered that I had these prayer medals. And so I went and grabbed one and gave it to Michael, and I put it in his hand, and I said to him, Michael, I want you to have this, and I just want you to hold on to it. And whenever your heart is really aching, and when you're worried about losing your poppy, I want you to remember that you are loved by the Holy Family. As Michael looked down and held the medal in his hand, something changed in his eyes. And as he flipped it over, he saw the inscription on the back, which says, God is with us. There was a small smile on his face and he looked at me and he said, I know that he is. I know that God is with me.
A few Sundays after that, as I was getting ready for Mass and vesting and just was coming down the center aisle, there was an elderly man in the back of the church and he grabbed my chasuble and he pulled me close to him and he held out a prayer medal and he thanked me for it. He said, Father, thank you for this prayer medal. And I scanned my mind quickly because I didn't remember giving it to him. I don't remember from him from a hospital or a nursing home. And then he looked at me and he said, Michael wanted me to have this. When I talked to Michael later, I found out that he thought that his grandfather needed it more than he did. Sometime later, I received a call in my office late at night, and it was one of Michael's best friends telling me that I needed to go to his house immediately because his poppy was dying. And I'll never forget when I pulled into the drive that night, Michael was lit up by the headlight, and he was outside all alone, just pacing in the driveway. And when I got out of my truck, he ran up to me and gave me a big hug, and he broke down crying. After a moment, I said, Michael, why don't we go inside and pray? So I walked into the back bedroom where Michael's poppy was. And as he was laying there dying on his hospital bed, I gathered the entire family around him. And we began to pray together. And what was so beautiful, I've never experienced anything like this. Somebody so near death, he still knew all the words to every prayer. Even though he couldn't speak, he was still mouthing the words, Lord have mercy. And it was tremendously beautiful to be surrounded with his entire family. As I anointed his forehead and went to anoint the palm of his hand and turned over his palm, I realized that he was holding and clasping the Holy Family Prayer Medal. And so I gently pushed it aside and anointed his palm and tucked it back over. Michael's poppy would die later that night holding the prayer medal in his hand. A week later was the wake, and as I walked into the funeral home, I expected Michael to be sad, and I was surprised that when he made eye contact with me, he actually wasn't sad, he was beaming, he was smiling. And so I walked up to him and I said, Michael, I can't believe you're smiling. And he said to me, Father, you're never gonna believe it. But after my poppy died, my grandmother gave me the prayer medal. She wanted me to keep it. And I realized at that moment that Michael had this medal, this sacramental to always hold on to. What a powerful film. I don't know about you guys, but do you, are you feeling it? There's such a depth with today. Are you feeling it? Is it hitting you? Raise your hand if it's hitting you deep. It, it is, okay. Wow. So let's introduce Father Michael Denk. He is the founder of The Prodigal Father, whose mission is to inspire, introduce, and guide people in a deep, an authentic life of prayer. This includes leading them to an intimate, mystical, and personal relationship with God their Father in and through Jesus Christ and through the workings of the Holy Spirit. Father Dank is also an international speaker, author, prolific writer, and blogger. His books include Pray 40 Days, The Personal Relationship with God You Have Always Wanted, and Pray Advent. He has been published in numerous periodicals. Folks, please, let's give him the biggest, biggest round of applause and welcome, Father Dank. Thank you. Well, this is wonderful. Good to see all of you ladies. 
As, I, uh, as you saw in the video, this Holy Family prayer medal is something that I created to be a sacramental for people to hold on to it, especially when they have that need to be held. I'll be talking a little bit about sacramentals, but especially in prayer, how God wants to hold you. So especially when we feel so distant and so alone, we can experience his love anytime that we pray. So this is my sacramental. But what are we always holding? What do we always have with us? Raise it up if you do. <laughs> right? That's what I'm always holding. I mean, you ladies are much holier than I. You were saying rosary. <laughs> so 81% of people have smartphones. Some of you, does anybody have a dumb phone? Raise your hand if you're still a dumb phone. You stand strong. Be proud. 98% of millennials have smartphones. 67% of uh, cell phone owners finding themselves checking their phones or calls or alerts even when they don't hear their phone vibrating. Have you ever had that happen to you? So scientists have actually d developed a, a term for this when your phone is vibrating even when it isn't. The, the first time I noticed this, I was in El Salvador doing a mission with my parish. And I didn't, we didn't have our phones on us. They were in the lockers. And during the, the trip, I would feel my, my pocket vibrate. And so I'd go to grab my phone, and it wasn't there. Well, scientists say this is actually a term. Our neurological system has changed so much that even if we don't have our phones on us, we still feel a neurological vibration. And this is called phantom vibration. So how many of you have ever, ever experienced that? Now you know that's a phantom vibration. So scientists have also described that there is a new term that is out that says this is what it, it's a fear of being without your phone. A fear of being without your phone, and it is called nomophobia. When I was newly ordained 15 years ago, I didn't have a smartphone and I did not have this nomophobia fear, but I do now. How often does the average person check their phone? Once every what? Once every hour? No. 10 minutes? No. Five minutes. Once every five minutes, including our sleep. That's how often the average person checks their smartphone. 80% 80, 80 of 18 to 29-year-olds we know in our church have dropped out. And all indications show, this might take a second, all indications show that they're probably not coming back. And so my mission really is to reach out to these people and to help them come back. I don't know how to advance the slide right now. And so what I've realized is that we have gotten so attached to our phones, but we're not that attached to God. How many people sleep with their cell phone? Raise your hand if you're one of those people. So 17% seven, of cell phone owners say the best thing about their phone is that it's convenient. 12% like the ability to call, text anyone, 11% that their cell phone can help them get emergency assistance. 9% say they're using the internet email apps. 8% say it's to connect them with their family. So 
So if you got your kids cell phones to stay connected with you, that's not what they're using it for. <laughs> so I've been studying and making apps for people over the years to pray. And one of the studies showed that the number one thing that people are looking for when they download a, a Catholic app is spirituality. They want to learn how to pray. Now, Mother Teresa, when she came to America, she was driving down New York City, and one of the reporters said to Mother Teresa, Mother, I am so sorry for you and the people that you minister to. And as Mother Teresa only could, she looked at him and she goes, I'm sorry for you people. And he goes, well, what do you mean? And she said, America has a poverty far greater than anything else that we experience. America has a poverty of spirituality. And it's a longing for God. So when I was trying to set up this prodigal father, I worked with a marketing team. I interviewed three. This was one of the teams in a story I like to tell. These were three college, uh, high school, grade school, college, Catholic trained. So they went through Catholic uh, school all the way from the grade school through all the end of college. And so I was trying to pitch them this idea that they're supposed to help me with in terms of marketing. So I was telling them all about how I'm teaching people how to pray and helping people grow from vocal prayer to meditative prayer to contemplative prayer. And I could tell they're looking at me and they're clueless. They don't have a clue. So I said to them, well, how do you guys pray? Tell me what you do. And I want you to think about yourself. How do you pray? One of them said right away, he says, Father, I pray every day. When I'm driving to work, I talk to God and I just talk the whole way to work. Every day I pray. I said, that's good, that's vocal prayer, that's beginner prayer. I didn't say that, but it's very beginner prayer. And um, then I got to the second guy, and he goes, well, I don't know, Father, I don't really pray, but I have a lot that I'm grateful for. I just thank God for my family, for my work. I have a great, I have a wonderful life. I'm just grateful. So again, I said, well, that's good. That's uh, prayer, prayer of thanksgiving. That's a very good beginner prayer. Good job. <laughs> third guy says, every night, Father, before I go to bed, I kneel down at my bed and I say the Our Father, Hail Mary, and Glory Be. And I said, that is so beautiful. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, that's what I learned to do in second grade, right? <laughs> now, I'm glad I'm talking to ladies because I said this to these three guys. I said to them, well, what if I told you? Because I said, I know you guys talk to God a lot, but do you ever hear his voice? And they were like, no. You know, he doesn't talk to me. I talk to him, but he doesn't talk to me. And I said, well, guys, what if I told you that I have a way that you will grow in your prayer life? You can move from this beginner prayer that you know and move to contemplative prayer, uh, meditative prayer, contemplative prayer, which is heaven on earth. What if I could do that for you? Do you know what all three of them said with the Catholic priest pitching to their company? We're good. No, it's all right. <laughs> They're clueless. So ladies, I'm glad because I'm sure you're not clueless like that. So the prodigal father, the first time that I ever really learned to pray. When I went to the seminary, I was a beginner. All I knew how to pray was the rosary. I knew how to say the Our Father, Hail Mary, St. Michael prayer because I'm Michael. And when I got to the seminary, when I went in, I thought, I better learn how to pray. I don't know how to pray yet. So I remember going to the local Catholic bookstore and picking up a, a religious book on Catholic prayers. And they were just different prayers that you said. And that's how I thought of God. You just say a prayer to God and that's your praying. I never really knew that God could become real to me. That God wanted to speak to me. That God wanted to have this relationship with me. 
So I made my first retreat with this lovely priest who is now dead, but his name is um, Father Welsh, Ignatius, uh, Jesuit priest. He taught me how to pray. So I had an eight-day retreat all by myself. He got me a little cottage by a lake that the Jesuits owned, and every day he would come out and lead me in a, a spiritual direction for an hour, and during that hour he would then say Mass and give me assignments to pray throughout the other day. So he'd give me four or five scripture passages, and that would be my passage. And he said, I want you to ask Jesus to tell you what the Father is like. Now, I didn't really have a relationship with God the Father. Like, I knew Jesus, but I didn't really know God the Father. And God the Father seemed like that Old Testament, God the Father, right? So he said, I want you to ask for this. And so I prayed the first 24 hours, and I asked, Jesus, show me the Father. And I came, he came back to me, and I said, Father, nothing happened. And he goes, it's okay, relax, do another day. I do another day, 48 hours, I'm asking Jesus to tell me what the Father's like. Nothing happened. So I finally, on the third day, I said, Jesus, you better tell me something, because I can't go back again and tell Father I'm not hearing anything. So Father realizes that I'm kind of um, distraught, and he said, what do you do to relax? What do you do for a hobby? Now, this is a silent eight-day retreat. Say I, I like to play guitar, I like photography, um, just different things that I liked. And I said, I like movies, too. He goes, you like movies? Yeah. He said, go see a movie. And I said, I can't go see a movie. This is my eight-day silent retreat. He goes, am I your director or are you? <laughs> go see a movie. So I went to see this movie. And it was uh, at a local like, uh, theater, like an art house film that, that we have in Cleveland. And I thought, well, maybe God's going to talk to me during the movie. And as the movie started, it began. It's called Spring, Summer, Winter, Autumn, Spring. So it's all about the seasons of life. I didn't know anything about it. I just love nature. So I start watching the film, and it's all in Korean. <laughs> and I thought, well, great. I'm going to get nothing out of this. But it turned out to be this medicine man that had this little child, and he, he learned from the time this child was dropped off at his front doorstep, this child became the center of his world. He loved everything about him. He delighted in him. He would teach him how to crawl, teach him how to write. He just loved this little child. And so it was a beautiful movie, and I, I get outside, and I'm thinking, all right, God, were you trying to tell me something with that? So I drive a pickup truck. I got in my truck, and I'm driving there, and I said, um, okay, I'm going to try. Father uh, Welsh, whenever he would talk to Jesus, he would just have a full-on conversation with him. He would sit there in one chair, Jesus was in the other chair, and they just talked. I said, if he, you know, this wise older priest can do it, I'm going to try, okay? So I'm driving home. I'm in my pickup truck. I'm imagining Jesus is on the right side. He's not saying anything, so I'm going to just talk out loud, and I'm going to say, Jesus, can you tell me what the Father's like? And when I looked to my right, it was as if he was right there. And when he began to tell me what his father was like, his face began beaming. I could see his eyes. I could see his smile. And it was like he'd been waiting my whole life to show me what God the Father is like. And so he began to tell me, God the Father is so gentle. Now, I have a fun father, sports father, adventurous father, not the most gentle. So we had an image from the movie of, of the, old, the old man putting the boy in a boat very gently. And then I got an image from my own childhood of, we had a boat, if any of you have ever backed a trailer, a boat into a lake, you know, sometimes that can be a little challenging. 
So one time I was there with my dad, he wanted to go fishing, and he's backing the boat in there, and he tells me to hold the line. But the way he backed the boat in, the line is like, it's, out of my, it's coming out of my hands. So I finally let it go, and he was, comes back to me, he's furious. Why didn't you hold on to that? And I'm like, I couldn't. So he picks me up, and he throws me into the boat. So these images became, began to come to mind, and Jesus is saying one, over the, one after the other, healing my memories. The Father is patient. The Father is so gentle. The Father believes in you. The Father hopes in you. And I realized he was telling me 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. If we experience this love, this love will believe all things, hope all things, endures all things. The Father will never fail you. God is love, right? The Father is love. The Father will never fail you. So I do a number of different types of prayers, and the one I'm going to introduce you, I'm going to introduce you to two today. One is guided meditation, and then the other one uh, will be Lexi Divina, but this is a little video on guided meditation. Guided meditation is a form of prayer that uses quiet reflection on a scene from the scriptures or from everyday life. Maybe you have a vivid imagination. Or maybe you think you don't. The truth is we all have the God-given ability to imagine. It is a gift, and it can also be developed. If you haven't used your imagination in a while, don't worry, it's there. We never lose them, but when we use them, wow, can God come to us in amazing ways. Some people think that if you are using your imagination, it's not real. However, our imagination is a gift given to us by God and can lead us to the very real experience of him. Remember, there is a whole other level beyond the physical, and our imagination can take us there. I am so excited to introduce you to Guided Meditation. So what I'm gonna hopefully do right now is introduce you to meditation. There is three levels of prayer in our Catholic faith. Vocal prayer, which is the prayer that we're taught as beginners, and it's important that all our lives we have this vocal dialogue with God. But the next form of prayer is meditative prayer. And meditation is when we come to experience, we see God, we hear him. Uh, he works on our interior life so, so much so that he becomes real to us. So that's what I'm going to introduce to you today is what it's like to do meditative prayer. Now with each of these, I like to sing a little song if you'll help me out with this. I brought my ukulele. Somebody said, I can't walk in with this. She was very distraught, and I said, you're going to be very disappointed in my talk then. <laughs> so if you could sing along with me, the song I like to use for guided meditation is I'll Be There. And I want you to just to think about God speaking this song to you, singing it to you, that he wants to be there for you. So if you feel like you haven't felt God's presence in a while, if you feel like you haven't experienced him, if you feel like you've ever been abandoned or disappointed, I want you to listen to these words and sing these words and just know that he does want to be there for you. You and I must make a pact. We must bring salvation back. Where there is love, I'll be there I'll reach out my hand to you I'll have faith in all you do 
Just call my name and I'll be there. Yeah, good echo. We need that. I'll be there to comfort you. Build my world of dreams around you. I'm so glad I found you. I'll be there when the love is strong. I'll be a strength. You know, keep holding on. Let me fill your heart with joy and laughter. Togetherness, well, that's all I'm after. Just call my name and I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there to protect you with an unselfish love that respects you. Just call my name and I'll be there. I'll be there to comfort you, build my world of dreams around you. I'm so glad I found you. I'll be there with the love so strong. I'll be your strength. You know, keep holding on. If you should ever find someone new, I know she better be good to you. Cause if she doesn't, I'll be there. I'll be there. Don't you know that? I'll be there, I'll be there, just call my name and I'll be there, I'll be there, I'll be there, just call my name I'll be there one last time. Just call my name and I'll be there. Thank you for singing along. Okay, guided meditation. This man's name is Monsignor Esif. Monsignor Esif is 95 years old. He's been my annual retreat director for over 10 years and has really helped me to discover prayer and really enter deeply into medita meditative prayer. Monsignor Esif, his spiritual director, while he was still living, was Padre Pio. So if you think about it, his spiritual director was Padre Pio, mine was Monsignor Esif, I'm Father Michael Dank, and that means you are great-grandchildren of Padre Pio. Isn't that great? He also directed Mother Teresa. He was her spiritual director as well, and he has the gift to read souls. And I remember the first time that I went to him, I was terrified. I thought, what is he going to see in me that I'm not seeing? And as I sat down with him, we began to talk, and priests do this to me for some reason, but he looks at me and he says, you could have never been married. And I, I said, what do you mean? And he goes, your love for God is so intense that no woman could ever, ever fulfill that. And um, so he helped me to realize the importance of that. 
Well, thank you. Pray for me. Pray that I always have that love. I, I do, but pray that I can always have that love. You can see behind him is his casket. So whenever Monsignor prays with you, he leads you through the Paschal Mystery. And he says, you are Jesus today. From your baptism, you became Jesus. And that means that everything that happened to Jesus is going to happen to you. You will experience wonderful life with Jesus and God. You will experience the passion in your life. You will die in your life. And with Jesus, you will rise. And so Monsignor keeps his casket there to always remind him that he's going to die one day. And every single day he has is a gift from God. When you're praying with guided meditation, you're given a scripture passage. And in my book, Pray 40 Days, you'll get 40 different guided meditations that I lead you through. But one time, Monsignor gave me the Bible, the Bible passage of the 10 wise virgins. And he said, pray with this, imagine it. And when you do a meditation, you're supposed to enter into the scene. And so I began praying with this scene, and I'm like, I'm not a woman. I don't know how to be a wise virgin. Like, this is a really difficult prayer for me to enter into. And so I began to get a little discouraged and frustrated, and I thought, well, I'm just going to be me. And uh, so I imagined that I was in the basement of a house, and I was trying to find a lantern. I, I, I found a lantern, and then I thought, well, the, some of those unwise women forgot the oil, right? So I better get some oil. So I imagined going down into the house and finding some oil, and I found a wick, and I had everything ready, had a, had a backpack on. And as I'm walking up the hill, I begin to see all these other, like the, the sun begin to set and all these other lights happening. Monsignor also helped me realize that Jesus says to his disciples, you will do not only the things that I do. Anybody know the answer to that? But even greater things. Isn't that amazing? We will do not only what Jesus does, but even greater things. Now, Monsignor, I was talking to him once, and I said, hey, have you ever tried walking on water? Because he's got a lot of mystical things that he does. And, uh, and he said, no, um, but I've levitated a couple times. I go, what? And uh, he goes, yeah, I didn't like it. And uh, so the first time that it happened, he began levitating, and uh, he, he said, I didn't like it. I didn't know which way was up, which way was down. I was all discombobulated, and when it was over, I, I, I just thought, I don't ever want that to happen again. And then a couple of weeks later, he was praying in the chapel, and there were some other nuns there. And so he started levitating again in front of the nuns, doesn't know which way's up, which way's down, and he finally said to God, he goes, that's it, Father, no more, no more of that. And so, after that, he never levitated again. So I was praying with, uh, I was telling him, I said, I, I don't know, when you talk about levitating, Monsignor, to me, I think that's what surrender feels like. And I want to surrender to God. I want to let go and just surrender and, and not know which way is up, which way is down. Just surrender. And so I said, do you think that I could pray for that? And he looked at me and he goes, I think that's a great idea. So he um, told me to pray for the gift of levitation with that surrendering. And so I, I, I did that. I went to the chapel that night and started praying. And there, there was another priest that we drove up together. He was making retreat with me. But it was silent, eight-day retreat, so we couldn't talk to each other. And Monsignor says, and when you levitate, it's not going to be only for yourself. It's going to be for other people. 
And so I'm in the chapel late at night, and I'm sitting on the edge of my chair, and I'm like, Father, please give me the gift of levitation. Help me surrender. And as I'm praying, this other priest walked into the chapel too, and so I'm thinking maybe this is for him to see that this is possible. And so as I'm praying, I really feel like it's going to happen. I'm close. And then all of a sudden, Father Anderson went like this, and he farted. And that was it. That was the end of my prayer. So I went to Monsignor and I said, Monsignor, I'm asking for levitation and God gives me a fart. Monsignor, I never saw him laugh so hard. So I've still been praying for that to this day. Well, a year or two ago, I made another retreat with him. And this guided meditation was on the, the, the women, the wise virgins. So I have my oil. I have my lamp. Um, it's in my backpack. I'm packing everything up, ready to go. And as I'm walking up the hillside, the sun is setting. It begins to get dark out. And so this is all prayer in my imagination. I'm praying with the scripture. And as the other lights begin to go up, I realize, okay, this is, I sh this is my time to turn it on. So I go into my backpack. And I'm very ADHD, by the way. I forget things. I go into my backpack, and I get the oil. And then I realize I forgot the lamp. I forgot the lamp. So I start panicking in the middle of my prayer and thinking, how could I forget the lamp? I don't, I'm supposed to have the lamp and the oil. I don't have the lamp. Well, in my prayer, as I'm walking up that hill, Monsignor will always say, talk to the Father. And so I said, Father, I forgot my lamp. I don't know what to do. And you know that creation scene of God the Father and Adam where their fingers are coming together like this? I see God's hand come out of the sky and he go, it gets closer and closer and closer to me. And then he says to me, after I say I forgot my lamp, he says, you are my lamp. And he touched my forehead. My whole body began to glow. And this is only in my meditation. And I began to, to rise. And so I had that experience of, of my own insecurity and inadequacy being addressed in that prayer that... We all know we're the light of Christ, right? I really know that now. And I believe that. And it came through prayer. It came through this meditation. So what I like to always do for people is tell them, then uh, Father Welsh gave this to me, these are the five P's of prayer. So if you want to have a good prayer life, this is a very basic but also helpful way to start out. If you feel like you're having difficulty praying or can't get into the routine, these five P's of prayer will help get you there. So the first P is that you prepare. The saints traditionally make a holy hour. So I, not that I'm a saint, but I make a holy hour every day. And it's very important before I make my holy hour that I I, I, I prepare beforehand and know what I'm going to pray with. Because if you just go into your holy hour and you haven't even thought about it, you could spend half an hour just trying to figure out how you want to pray. So my whole day I'm kind of meditating about it. And Father Welsh described it a good way. He said it's like a married couple. So prayer is like the union of man and woman, but us and God. He says, oh, good way for, say it's a married couple's anniversary. And the, the, high, the guy has to work, and maybe the lady does too, or she's a stay-at-home mom. And as the guy is leaving for work, he looks at his wife and he says, I can't wait to see you tonight. And his wife kisses him gently on the lips, and he goes off to work. 
What do you think he's thinking about all day at work? Going back home to his wife, right? So if we have a scripture passage that we know we're going to pray with, and we might introduce that ourselves early in the morning or the night before, that can help us really think about God throughout our day. And our imagination, we do need to have images. And so just like the movie gave me images for my, my imagination, just like the lantern gave me some image for my imagination, Monsignor Levitating gave me some image for my meditation, you kind of gather that throughout the whole day so that when you go to prayer, you can really enter into it. The second P is place, that we have to have a place to go and pray. I can't encourage you, if you've never been to Eucharist Adoration, I know they have one chapel upstairs. Is there one down here too? Eucharistic Adoration Chapel? It's only upstairs, so take some time today. Just go spend a few moments of silence. But also, go to your church. Make a holy hour at your church. As I mentioned, for Lent, we're supposed to be doing three things. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Now, a lot of people just think of one thing, what they're going to give up, right? And that could be sweet or social media or something like that. But we often don't think about prayer. So every Lent, we're supposed to make a resolution to grow in our prayer lives. I think your easy resolution, by the way, Ash Wednesday is Lent, so you have four days. If you don't have a resolution yet, Pray 40 Days could be a wonderful program for you. It's free online, but we also have books available as well. The second is fasting. And fasting is different than abstaining. So not going on Facebook, not eating sweets, not doing something like that, that's called abstinence, so you're abstaining from a food. That's good, but even more powerful is fasting. Fasting means not eating. So just drinking water, not eating anything else. So really, let your prayer become powerful by fasting. And, and have somebody in mind when you do it. So last Lent was the first time I ever really fasted. I did one day, then a few days later I did a two day, a few days later three days, a few days later four days. And I'm one of those people that shakes if they don't eat, like between meals. But I was able to do it because I was praying for somebody that needed healing. And I offered that fasting up for him. So I want you to really think about actual fasting, giving up food for a time of day or a day or whatever you can try to do to increase your prayer. And then third is almsgiving. We're supposed to also give alms as well. So think of some way that you can give alms. That could even be just donating to some of the nonprofits that are out there. So prepare. The second is place. We need to have a place to go to. I want you to think about that. Do you have a place that you go to and pray? And I would encourage you that if you don't, actually this is great, make that place by Wednesday. So make a place in your house by Ash Wednesday that that's going to be your go-to place. Go over there, spend a bunch of money, get yourself gifts. You're allowed to do it. I'm telling you from a priest. God wants you to have sacramentals. So get some sacramentals, create a place to pray, and if you have a place to pray, you're probably going to want to do it. So you have to have a place. If you can go to adoration, like go to your church before the Blessed Sacrament, that's, that is the best place to pray. But we can't always get to church, and sometimes it might be snowed out or something like that. But, so have a place in your house to pray. It could be a whole room if you have an extra room. It could just be a prayer corner or a prayer chair. But think about that right now. Where can your place to pray be? 
And 90% of prayer is just going to that place. If you go and sit in that prayer chair or that prayer room, you're going to pray. But it's like the gym. If you don't go to the gym, there's no way you're working out, right? But if you go, it's going to happen. The third is posture. So traditionally, there's four postures of our church. You're doing one of them, sitting. What's another one? Kneeling would be another one. What's another one? Standing. Anybody know the fourth? Prostrating, very good. I find that to be the most powerful form of prayer when I'm really desperate is to lay your body down, to prostrate before God. So it, try around with those different postures in your prayer room. Even now, just do some like spiritual calisthenics before Ash Wednesday and see what's going to be a comfortable place for you to pray. When you pray meditatively and contemplatively, it's very important that you keep your body still. You don't have to have perfect posture. That's not what I'm talking about. But find a posture where you can be comfortable, and for that 15 minutes or half an hour or an hour, you're not going to move your body, no matter what happens. And let your family know that you're doing this, too, that when you go in there, you're not to be interrupted. Short of a fire or something like that, you're not to be interrupted. And they'll respect it. My nieces now, growing up, I, when I, was, I still had a place in my parents' room, six of us kids, when I would go home, I would make my holy hour sometimes because Sundays are crazy. We'd be, see each other on, with the family. And I'd go up to my room for a holy hour and lock the door. And all of my nieces and nephews knew that when Uncle Mike is up there and the door is closed, he's praying, leave him alone. But my one niece said to my mother one time, Grandma, I think when Uncle Mike goes up into his prayer room, I think he's just sleeping. <laughs> and she's right. So people ask, what happens if I fall asleep during prayer? If you fall asleep, it's okay. There's no better place than to be in God's presence and resting in his arms. Like, what, what mother doesn't love a child just to be in, in, their, in her arms and, and hold that child? God loves holding you too. And he can work even in our rest. But if you find yourself only sleeping whenever you do your holy hour, you might want to tweak that up a bit. <laughs> maybe you take a nap before, maybe you take a walk before. My best way of preparation is if I do some kind of exercise and I do some spiritual reading and then I enter into my holy hour. That's just a routine for me that I found to be very helpful. The fourth is presence. That when you sit down, when you have um, your sacramentals around you, when you're in that place, you take a moment and just ask God to be with you. All you have to do is ask him. Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. Just ask, knock and the door will be opened and he will be with you. And then finally is the passage that we go to a passage, whatever that passage is that we're going to pray with, and we pray with that passage. If you do this, if you kind of run through these five P's of prayer, it's really helpful, at least for me, even when I get rusty, to kind of go back to the basics, and this is how you enter into prayer. So I'm going to lead you on a quick guided meditation. Only a few minutes here. Normally they're five minutes, but I'm going to just lead you on a guided meditation because it's the prodigal father, and I have so much devotion to God the Father, and I know there's probably women out here who struggle with that. Um, I would just encourage you just to maybe be open to Jesus and to why he wanted to show us specifically his father, not just God, but why he wanted to have this personal relationship with God our Father. 
So if you feel comfortable enough, I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I'm going to lead you through this guided meditation. This is on the Lord's Prayer. So do what uh, I told you before. Get your body comfortable. Move it around. Try to get into a, a posture that you're not going to have to move your body. If your body remains still, and this goes for you, but the people around you too, if you can be still, if your body remains still, your mind will begin to slow down and become still, and your soul will rest in God. And I want you now just to ask Jesus that same question that Father Welsh told me to ask. Jesus, what's the Father like? And see what happens in your meditation. He was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not subject us to the final test. So it's very specific. It says Jesus was praying in a certain place. There's a mountain um, on, along Galilee, and there's a little cave on top of the mountain, and, and some believe that that's where Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. So I want you to, to imagine the Sea of Galilee is this beautiful sea with green, lush hillsides, but all the way at the top of one of the mountains is a cave. And I want you to imagine going in that cave as one of his disciples. And maybe your eyes begin to adjust to the dark. There's some light coming through, and maybe it's shining on Jesus' face. And the disciples say to him, Lord, we've seen you pray. Can you teach us how to pray? And as you enter into this meditation, I want you to try to see if you can see Jesus' face. And if you can't, start with his clothing or start with his sandals, any image of Jesus that comes to you. Now I want you to imagine he's looking right in your eyes. He's looking right at you. And he says, when you pray, say, Father, And so you're praying right now, and I just invite you softly, if you can say that out loud, say, Father. Again, Father. Father. Give us this day our daily bread. What is it that you need from God? Can you ask Jesus right now for that? as we forgive everyone in debt to us. So is there anybody in your life right now that needs to be forgiven? You can do it. You could do it right now with Jesus. Forgive them. 
and do not subject us to the final test. And we pray together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. So just real briefly, that was meditative prayer. I'm going to also be teaching you contemplative prayer, how to pray using your senses. It's another Ignatian way of praying. How to pray like a pirate, which is acknowledge, relate, receive, respond. That's the one I found most helpful when I need to hear God's voice. And uh, how to relax with scripture, where you really do just relax and enjoy the wonderful experience of God. So ladies, it was wonderful to be with you today. My book, Pray 40 Days, I'll be over there signing that. There are plenty of copies available. Um, and there's also an online version you can see there. So if you go to theprodigalfather.org, you can register for the, the free program. But we uh, do have the books there as well. And if you like the Holy Family Prayer Medal, that is there as well too. So thank you so much. It was wonderful to be with you. And I'm so proud of you that you're all here. God bless you.